<coughs> Hello and welcome back to Boys Gone Wild. This is a normal episode. A normal episode seeing as we've got Andrew who just seems to have left the studio in disgust from the start. He was absolutely furious. Did you ch- have a change of heart? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure I can do this <laughs> For many reasons that we can't tell you now. We can't go into it right now. The There's a lot of behind the scenes strife going you'll on. Hear, you'll hear about it soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll hear about it once I hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so to put myself through this um, and then just to come back on and be greeted with it's a normal episode because the usual cunts here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Andrew's going through some personal issues in his personal life that he <laughs> legally can't dispose of the moment. I mean, it's not really my personal life and that's as much as I'll say about it. You could maybe you could even add up what would have happened in your head if you're, if you're a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> There's a chance you can work out what I'm currently going through, and that's the cu- That's the only clue I can give. <laughs> you might we'll, be able to work it out. We'll it's not my person. We'll hopefully be able to uh, discuss it on the podcast properly. We will. We yeah. absolutely will, regardless of the outcome. But this is the 89th episode. Uh, Andrew had a week off last week because I was interviewing Sean Walsh, but we worked it out um, pretty psychotically. We've managed to do pretty much an episode a week for now this is coming up to the 55th week 55 weeks yeah since we started we haven't missed a week not missed a we single haven't week. missed a single how has that not happened that how are we not bigger <laughs> <laughs> the, the fucking effort we put into this we've, we're hemorrhaging patriots yeah we're, I, we've never missed a week never missed a single week it feels like we're lazy that was going through lockdown and yeah. shit when nothing was happening yeah well that's what that was that's kind of why. That was, yeah, well, that was, no, that wasn't more, impressive. I'm more about the, the the fact that we come on here week on week and finding still spit to talk fire. About. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Because <laughs> I mean, we don't put much effort into the planning of it. No, but we are consistently average. Consistently <laughs> average, and that's what you want from. <laughs> that's a what you want from. You a don't podcast. want to laugh too much every week. <laughs> you don't want oh once a month that we are really funny podcasts. You want yeah. a six out of ten podcasts every, every week, week without fail. We need consistency in our lives, not. Not something extraordinary. So yeah, because there's there was I did a solo episode on the performance artist Te Ching Heiser, the um, Taiwanese guy who took a picture of himself every hour for a year. I told you about this guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, we've got an hour of us every, every week, week for a year, changing hairs. Yeah, so I wonder if we could actually, if we could get a fan maybe to do a time lapse of our, because we'll see our entire bodies <laughs> like start like, just going through the year. That bit where and you I, got really fat as well. Yeah, and, I mean, I was, and then you got really trim. <laughs> that'd be great. And then you got really if it was a time lapse of all the episodes and it was literally us, oh, you're, you're black for two weeks. That yeah. was a that was a bad weird, choice. Weird, weird choice. <laughs> really not sure what was going through my head at that point. <laughs> But you know, sometimes you've got to take a risk and you've got you've to try. You've got to take a risk. You've got to back yourself. You have to reinvent yourself every yeah. now and again. Uh, but I did see a, uh, I did see a, I did watch the first episode we did and we do look terrifyingly younger. <laughs> we, Gee, have, really? we have aged. <laughs> We've aged. <laughs> I think it's the stresses of doing this podcast. Of the podcast. It's like when you see like Obama or like a president. Um, yeah. You, before and after their They're term. They're akin. Yeah. They're <laughs> The level of stress. It's Premier League managers... Yeah, it's presidents, presidents podcast hosts, prime ministers, who, and us. who age. I would say it's every gr- podcast host. 
I think it's just this specific <laughs> podcast. Do you think most podcasts aren't as stressful no. and high octane? No, because they the don't they don't put as much effort into being average on a week-to-week <laughs> basis. Consistently, though. For over a year. You know, maybe taking a month's holiday off might make it less average. Nah, but that's instead, not how we do it. Through thick and thin, through rain and sleet. <laughs> it, it's extraordinary how we've managed to... There's yeah. been things that get in the way of scheduling, but we've always managed to pull an episode out of our holes. There's been discrepancies whether I should even be doing a podcast <laughs> and saying the things that I'm saying. <laughs> sure. But that is to be discussed when oh, yeah. you're legally allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, without being able to dis- uh, disclose what's been happening to you over the last two weeks because of uh, legal reasons, how you been? Yeah, great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just been the, a nice, calm, breezy two weeks with yeah. no stress or worries or anything. Oh, that's good, man. Um, it's culminated. So I can't... There's two things that have happened. I can't say either of them. <laughs> Which is a real shame. Yeah, it's not great podcasting. You're like something hilarious and terrible. I believe that most people would have who have watched a lot of the show would work out what's happening. I don't think so. I think you could. From an iconic episode. Anyway. Um I can say the last thing. I mean the week kind of culminated in me being kicked out with spoons on a Monday. Sure, we can talk about that. Not the best I mean, who gets kicked out with spoons on a Monday? I'll tell you who, a Vigil Fuckalanti. Because this what happened? We're sitting there outside. Me and four other people, I think it was, having some beverages. Um, it was 7.30 p.m. And this guy comes over. And he was like, he was probably like 20, I think. But he comes over and he asks one of my friends to, to not smoke outside here. And we were, we were, what? what? And uh, there was a smoking area. But so what happens is it's actually, it turned, and he didn't say this. So I just knew it and because I forgot about it. But it's divided by half. So you can have half, half yeah. of it's a smoking area, half of it's not. There was a fucking ashtray on the table. But it is so we said, uh, well, how about that, sir? What do you, how do you explain that? And then he goes, uh, cereal bowl, gets cornflakes, puts and then milk, starts, starts eating. eating it. And you're like, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> he had one of those travel packs of Nesquik in his, and a sachet of milk. And he's prepared. Oh, you mean this? You think it's an ashtray? Well, how about this? <laughs> he's fucking prepared. That man was prepared for anything. Inexplicably, he had everything he needed in his pocket. Well, no, he only he only had travel packs. He had quite a lot of travel packs. That was all he actually had. Yes, yeah, so well, that's all he needed. I yeah, guess. but yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, you, you've got a variety of cereal there to prove different points. So. Don't don't shit on them too quickly. No, he never actually explained why. Um, so I had to step up and say And say you listen here, you little Listen cunt. here, you twat face. <laughs> no, I know. So this was separate, this was before, and then he went, Oh yeah, and I said, Oh yeah, it's because it's a half and half thing. I said the ashtray's a bit confusing, but you know, I'm sure we'll all be able to get over this and be friends afterwards. Um and then he comes back at eight and he goes What's this fella look like? He looks like an incel. Sure. Um, and that's that's the only way I can describe him. He looks very meek, yeah. actually. Like he was a meek, self pity, meek man, bitter, bitter, resentful of the world. Exactly, and we'll get to that because he comes he comes back and it's is seven forty five. Yeah, slightly hair slightly too long on these bits on yeah. the sides. Yeah, um, but not like braids. Just the, the hair was long, um, and <laughs> he then he comes back at seven thirty seven forty five. And then ask for all of our IDs. And we're like, why, why do you need our IDs right now? Um, and then he then says, because we don't allow anyone in the pub who is under 18 after 8 p.m. That's crazy. Unbelievable. And then, so 
The you're three clearly of us, none of you are under 18. Clearly. <laughs> Very clearly. We've aged We've horribly. aged... I look 50. <laughs> <laughs> he... He then... Me... The three of us... Three of us were drinking. Yeah. Two of us weren't. Taha yeah. and Nella weren't drinking. Yeah. They both had soft drinks. He... The three of us had ideas. One of them is a practicing Muslim. Didn't so, ask about that though, did he? Yeah. Um, so that's why he wasn't drinking. Because of religious reasons. So... So yeah, um, so he he then so the three of us that were drinking had our IDs. The two of us that weren't drinking didn't have their IDs. They were still asked to leave the pub because that was just the rule. I was I then took some umbrage to this. I'd had a tough week. You had a tough week. A tough week of getting into scraps that you shouldn't really have got into because of your indignance and your confidence that you'll get out of it. But go on. Correct. What did you say? I said, I was argue, I argue back saying, well, this is, I, I mean, I was like, there, there's, there's, there's no UK law that says no one under the part, no one under 18 can not be in a pub after. So like, and I looked up on your, the Weatherspoons website pretty, pretty swiftly. And I was like, there's no, there's no Weatherspoons rule. And I've been to this pub. It's the one down the road. I've been mm. to this pub several times here and I've never been asked for ID. And I finished with, why are you picking on us? Why are you picking on us? Yeah. Um, uh, and it does a way of winding up people as well, because yeah. I think it, it, it becomes personal by the kind of... Well, just because... No, because they can't win a fucking argument as well. And then he then says, and uh, so this is the... the What clearly turned out to be the rule is that, that that specific pub says that they can't have under their rule. They created the rule themselves saying that no one under the age of 18 is there after eight. And I was like, that is a fucking ludicrous rule. A ludicrous rule. No, 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 no. I'll get to the point where I, I wasn't doing too badly. I got kicked out because when he left, I went, oh, fuck you. And then, and then he said, what was that? And that was fair enough to get kicked out. But, and then he went, what was that? I was like, nothing, sorry. And then he then like went on his, then you could see him go on his mic and stuff. We didn't get kicked out. I just went to order my pizza, which I've been looking forward to for the entirety of the day. Got to the bar and like, oh, we're not serving your table. Yeah, well. It, well, we were going to get kicked out after eight anyway. Andrew's had a stressful week. Uh, and though he's been making good progress with alcohol, it's going downhill again. It's uh, not going it, downhill again. <laughs> he's had drinking. One beer. Oh, sorry, is your mum? Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not to do with the alcohol. It's to do with. Um, it's to do with the it's repressed like, emotions, I guess. Well, it's not oppressed. I'm lend these emotions out. It's but it's it's that classic. Um, have I seen it in a cartoon form? I don't know what form I've seen it in, but it's maybe a short film or some the Beano thing. The, the Beano. Beano, that's it. <laughs> um, like when your boss your boss shouts at you, so you shout at your wife, and then your wife shouts yes. at the kids. And it's society, and yeah. then your kids shout at the boss, and then the kids <laughs> and shout at the boss. And it's, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Yeah. <laughs> It's the, it's the horrible it's the, circle it's of doom. The, it's the horrible... You've got the boss who... Every day he comes home from work, his, his employees' children are bollocking him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he I takes mean, out on their parents. <laughs> I mean, because I told one of my friends about the second thing that happened, and she was like, you're having a breakdown. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. But it, I can see how people can have breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how it I happens. Know, you're not having a breakdown, but you're not not, not having a breakdown. But the thing, because, I mean, the, the, the only thing that could be breakdown worthy <laughs> I is... I can't wait till we can actually talk about yeah. it. The only thing that could off. be breakdown worthy would be the telling of Spoon's worthy to fuck off. The other two were kind of, you know, unfortunate coincidences, sure, yeah. in a way. And I actually talked my way out of the second <laughs> one. <laughs> 
I took my way out of the second one. I think Let's I, stop talking about it because they, yeah. no, no, they have no idea what it is. Yeah, so. <laughs> I just want to. I took my way out of the second one. I think I got too gassed about how I can talk my way out of things and then just said fuck you to yeah. a spoon's worker and then realised there's no talking way out of that one, Drew. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's but been, also, the third one is the, the least bad of the three. Oh, that's nothing. You uh, have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I last week I went to the the Freemasons Hall. Uh, we I was in I was for a day. I was in a, in London for a day of just like wandering around with BB. Yeah. We we're going to go to the British Museum to see all the shit we stole. What shit did you see? Uh, Which museum then, did you go but, to? Well, I was going to go to the British Museum, but then it was it was you had to book earlier, which I did, it was because of COVID. So instead, we found the Freemasons Museum was open. Do you know about Is it a museum? So there's a so there's the Freemasons Hall, the Grand Lodge. Okay, in the centre of London, this amazing stone building with these kind of it's like this minimalist design. Yeah. Um, and. My mum's been to a Freemasons dinner at one point, I believe. She might. Well, Freemasons, I, I don't. I, like it's the Sussex division, not like the grand one. No, there's, there's divisions all over the place, and it's a very confusing thing. And I think I first heard about Freemasons with my kind of QAnon hairdresser. Yeah, remember? Uh, Adam. Adam. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, by, of course I don't. If you guys don't remember, I had a. Uh, before any of this stuff became to the surface, I was 12 years old and I was hearing all of the stuff that's coming out in the news of these conspiracy theories. I was hearing them way before they broke with the guy who's right in the middle of it. It was a big formative part of your personality. Yeah, he was a big Star Wars nerd, conspiracy theorist, kind of pseudo-historian. Uh, he lent me books. Uh, yeah. He would do things like theatre. <laughs> the. Theism. God. Arta. Meeting place. Theatre. Theism Atrium, God's Meeting Place. Hmm? What's and your point? <laughs> and he'd take hours cutting yeah, my yeah. hair because he'd keep standing about. I, I can imagine he's a... I've never met him. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine he's a man of many hand movements. Yes, Which is. is not what you want of a barber who talks all the fucking time. He was bald as well. And you shouldn't really trust bald hairdressers. I think I trust bald hairdressers more than I trust the non-bald ones because they're doing it for the love. <laughs> they're doing it for the love They're the doing crop. it for the pure craft. <laughs> There's no selfish reasons there. Um... And he's a big Star Wars fan. He famously saw the new Star Wars 26 times in a month. So that's almost once a day. Why? Because uh, he has a Star Wars pod and he's a big Star Wars nerd. Did you say he's got a Star Wars problem? No, he's Star Wars... Well, he does have a Star that's Wars what, problem. That's because yeah. that's... Being, what his being a nerd and having a problem. Yeah, so he has a, he has a Star Wars podcast. Does he? Um, I want to see what he looks like. Uh, and he only ever wears one brand of clothing at each time. So he'll wear all super dry. Or all next. I did not expect that from him. No, so he, and and then he'd be like, "Yeah, all super dry." And he'd just keep showing me the labels. So like, you know, there's some stuff going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he told about Freemasons brain, like, "Yeah, they want me to join, but I'm not not interested in that kind of stuff." <laughs> um, and he was definitely <coughs> believed in the kind of uh, conspiracy theories around Freemasonry and Illuminatis and these kind of ancient orders. Yeah. Um, and so. There's a lot of that that sort of symbolism that was especially big maybe five, six years, maybe seven years ago when the Illuminati kind of at its most crass yeah, was, yeah. came to the surface. Now it's, it's the discourse around the Illuminati has definitely developed so it's a bit more reasonable. Yeah, but yeah. back, you know, when Jay-Z Beyonce were part of this kind of thing. Yeah. Now we've realized small parts of it are actually true. Yeah. Which has helped disprove all the bullshit around it. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. Once you get some more detail, yeah, you it's can like kind of... Epstein has. It, it's like a yeah. has proved there is. It's not completely mental. Some of the stuff that he's saying, but most of it is. But most of it is yeah, absolute yeah. horseshit. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it's, been, it's a letting some sort of factual driven argument prevail rather than pure imagination. Mm. And so going to the Freemasons thing was very similar to when I went to the Scientology Center. It's a similar vibe, a uh, little bit less mental uh, and frazzled people. It seems a little bit more normal. But we go in this huge building and in London, you're sort of used to like private space and people returning your way. And it's always being, you can come here for five pounds. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a membership? Like that, that's kind of, you're kind of used to that in London. We came in, gorgeous building. And we're like, is this... Are we go, allowed here? And, yeah. he, and, and this guy, he's waiting there, literally with a big smile. And they go, is this the uh, Freemasons Museum? Yeah. Two bloody is it, is it free entry? Yeah. Can we come in? Yeah. <laughs> like loving it. He um, was like, he was I presume the, that, was his, that was his job. Yeah. But you're still welcome people. Yeah, there. but it was the I, people are never that friendly. Even no. at the museum, they're like, yeah. But he was like, yeah, of course you can, mate. Fucking come yeah. on. <laughs> I guess it's a slight humble brag about the freeness of yeah, it. Come on, guys. I don't know. It's not called the bloody paint masons, is it? <laughs> Get your send down. Get your send down. <laughs> that would be, be great if he if said that. That was it. Every person. Every who came person in. he said. It's it. not called the bloody paint masons. <laughs> And then we went, he said, only the first floor. And I was like, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay that's, there's some there's there's child some, sex rings on the caveats. second floor. <laughs> yeah. It's like you might have to pay for some places in the museum, like in the London Museum, but when you don't, you're not, there's not going to be sex going no, on exactly. in the, the opposite floors. So then uh, we go around the Freemasons Museum and um, there's just like ornaments. Uh, it was started post, post the Great Fire of London. Uh, Stonemasons became very powerful because they rebuilt London. So they became really rich. And they thought, let's build a club. That's how it started. Yeah. That's why all of their imagery is stonemasonry. And it showed all of the people through history. And there's all the rich, all the eyes wide shut stuff is based on the rituals from Freemasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the masks, the kind of thing. Yeah. And the way that they were selling it, and I was speaking to someone who was a guide there, was like, there's so many clearly so much shit about Freemasons and it being like an elite circle with one paedophilic uh, potential. Sure. And two, where business leaders, uh, maintain power by yeah, having yeah. an elite club yeah. but whenever I try to find out it was so unclear what they did I yeah. was seeing all loads of stuff and they kept having words around the room with like honour charity virtue well, that's, generosity well that's cleared it up hasn't it yeah it's just vague words an honor, honourable charitable <laughs> virtuous organisation that's what they do and the when I was speaking to the person around it she basically I asked what it was and she kept telling me the history of it. I was like, no, what do they actually do? And she goes, it's, and basically all anyone could say was it was sort of like a fun little social club and a way to meet people. That's not what it is, is it? They, they, they talk about it literally like it's playing squash in your 50s. Yeah, or, in or a like, new city. Or like the working men's club down the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you're in a new city. I don't really know any people. I I'll just... join the Freemasons. <laughs> That sounds nice. And then and it, suddenly you're wearing masks. And yeah, and it was like, I was being told this literally next to the, the most terrifying mask I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, a picture well, of the Prince of Wales 100 years ago who was leader of the Freemasons at one point. Every leader of the Freemasons has been made with the royal family, heads of industry. It's like, these guys, this is not just like a social It's club. not a meeting group. No, there's it's some not like shit speed going dating. on. There's, there's some shit going on. Well, they wouldn't be very good if just the tour guide of the free museum just explained to you everything that happens. Yeah, there? but even vaguely, I was like, can you at least give me like, this is clearly a club where uh, people want to meet, uh, could, like at least meet other business leaders. And, yeah. I don't know. Um, They've got to keep their cars close to their chest. Yeah, and there's They've loads of Freemasons. So there's like there's like a Chelsea branch which is just for show busy types and stuff like that. The like, show bit's Freemasons. The show... <laughs> 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 no, business, business just everything is a bit more flamboyant. <laughs> yeah. 
And then we're wandering around, and there's so little security there. It's super weird. It's so like eerie. And we're like, what's hilarious is there's there's like a library with these ancient books and like these these like leather bound things with like these huge volumes on Freemasonry in no- Norfolk would have two volumes each that big. I'm like, I, I didn't know there was that much Freemasonry in, in Norfolk. In Norfolk. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. And these like, but it looked like well, that's it kind what of, they want us to think. Yeah, it looked they like want us a to sort think of there's like, no me- Freemasonry going on anywhere. But you, Har- there's like this Harry Potter like library, and you could sit down, turn on the computer, and have a research desk where you could look through there. Oh, they're just welcoming you. It was like hiding in plain sight. But also, but, but these, they also give you no information. Also give you no information. It was absolutely mental. And then also in these glass cabinets with these books was next to these leather-bound books. Occasionally, you'd keep seeing Dan Brown, Angels and Demons, and the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> and then also Freemasonry for Dummies. Okay, this is, this and it's is. that was what was most uncanny it, is it would go from the sort of mysterious, ancient, and profound to the kind of like unbelievably basic you, and kind of slightly <sighs> shitty. It was a weirdly so, oscillated between the two. There's like a legal term. I think it's called like a document drop or something like that. When you you like have you request some information from the prosecution or something, yeah, and they legally have to give you the information that's contained in the files. But then there's a tactic that you just give them all the information possible. So you, you put like, so you give to. them, so they have to sift through it and they might miss it as they're going yeah. through it. It seems like they're doing a document drop. It, it, it had that feeling. Because it's like, oh, just shut down Brown in there. I mean, there's like a lot of red herrings and it just felt like we were just wandering about. And then <clears throat> we sort of sneaked up a floor. Don't say that on air. They're going to fucking come. And. There was other people looking around, so it didn't feel too... And there was like this beautiful atrium, these huge doors, these yeah. huge doors. And I looked through the keyhole and I saw this altar and it looked like this mat. And it was like, this is crazy. We just kept wandering about. And then these two, like, workmen came in, pulled on the doors. I go, oh, okay. And they came back and then someone else in a suit came and unlocked the doors and opened it to this giant hall. And we're like, can we go in? They're like, yeah. Go in. Was this on the forbidden floor or not? I think, yeah, it was on the forbidden, yeah. Okay. Well, it was definitely, was it, we, there was no sign posted towards it. It didn't feel like. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, go in. And then they disappeared and just left us alone in this giant hall. Um, so There we, seems to be a lot of trust, but a lot of deception. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. And then the hall was the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. Like, there's the Illuminati eye on the top. There was a lot of stars of David. There was lots of, like... Um, golden <coughs> altars there was a throne there was a uh, the black and white checkered floor there yeah. was a piano that i played my like grade one jazz oh thing. nice how'd it sound just, it sounded good it sounded good <laughs> yeah good acoustics good i'm glad it was absolutely billy bonkers um and then there's a documentary Itali- these it. three italians came and they started taking the piss a bit because we were all like sneaking around and they they kept like fucking around with things and eventually um, someone th- come on they kicked them out but luckily they didn't see us so that we got out scot-free they lost but it was free rem- mason privilege it was a remarkable um it's a fascinating organization there's a documentary in it where they go inside it and they talk to some people more and you can see some of the ceremonies on it but again not a lot's cleared up i don't know i i actually looked at quite a lot of the free mason stuff i i, I went through the uh, wikipedia page i w- watched the documentary on it still still not i've been to the museum yeah. i've been to the place because once you brought up that we were going to talk about it, it's like i don't really know what to say because <laughs> i don't really, I don't know, really know what they do <laughs> no god dear if any freemasons are listening 
Sure we could become Freemasons. There's 500,000 Freemasons in the UK. That could be a, and that I, could I think, be a series. I think me, um, men and women are still segregated in England. Are women, well, are, are they even, are women even allowed in? No, women can be common wives night and there's female lodges. Yeah, but there's a, you can't, they can't be Freemasons. They can be Freemasons. But they can't but they, do, they, 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 can't they have do, like, to be the in their own shitty female lodges. Yeah. They can't and do, I think there's only 500 free, female Freemasons, I think, or something mental. Let's get that number up, guys. Let's. If there's anything that is kind of the indicative policy of gender equality, it's getting more female Freemasons. Yeah. We're not an equal society until we have a completely equal distribution between men and women Freemasons. And we can discuss how to change society at a Freemasons meeting, as we If that's what they do. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're still quite foggy. It is bored rich people looking for a sense of community, you know? <laughs> Well, we'll fit in pretty soon. Yeah, because we look for a sense of community. Uh, I am semi tempted to be a Freemason. It, it, I think we should both try and do it. D- yeah, and make we a easily could. And yeah. make a series. Then we could, well, but I think we'll, I think you become indoctrinated into the Freemasons. So then we'll stop talking about it. Yeah. And then we'll just bring up different, our podcast will become from a silly one to talking about honour and esteem all the time. Yeah. Whilst being very vague. Yeah, and it's like that. There's had a big belief in charity and doing good, and like the Freemasons' values and stuff like that. But it seems like they've been controlling the world and sort of fucking it up recently. I, when I was younger, I always thought it was a campaign to free a guy called Mason. Did you actually? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because that would be incredible. That would stupid. be really stupid. Yeah. Even if I was seven years old, it's the Freemasons. Ah, could be. Yeah. Um, so I recommend that to anyone, as long as you that both. Uh, going to the Scientology Center and going to the Freemasons is free, uh, and because th- th- that's c- the City of London is amazing for these kind of bizarre orders that just like it's quite like a empty zone right in the middle of London, and you can just there's all these huge buildings, and behind them is always these kind of weird things like that where you're sort of allowed but not allowed. It's just odd. It's a city of a billion mysteries. Visit London. <laughs> Is that Sadiq Khan at the end? <laughs> well, it was the same guy, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Sadiq Khan. I like Sadiq Khan doing that voice. Visit London. <laughs> City of a billion <laughs> mysteries. Freemason, Scientology, Klu Klux Klan. Ready for you to investigate. <laughs> Find the truth about London by visiting London. <laughs> Find the truth about London <laughs> by listing London. Yep. That's a great little... Thank you. Bookmark uh, boys. And bookmark boys. Bring the bookmark noise. Uh, and also remember, bookmark boys, get your bookmarks for a decent price from an ethically sourced small business, bookmark boys. Follow them on Instagram for great custom-made bookmarks. I highly recommend. I think we do have a promotional code, which is bookmark boys slash boys gone wild, I think. That would make sense. Yeah, I'll put the promotional code in the link description because I think I definitely got it wrong. But buy from bookmark boys. Live fast, sure, but die young, die old, David. David Brent. Brent. You're about as edgy as the Satsuma, Vince Noir. Um. Okay, so Afghanistan. Afghanistan. That seems to be dominating. What are we gonna do about it? What, eh? what are we gonna do about it? Uh, what are your feelings? What are my thoughts, feelings, comments, comments? Um. Well, I have. I've looked into Afghanistan a lot. It was actually Afghanistan my, was your big, my you, special project. Yeah, it was, I remember you doing a, a big talk about um, yeah. about how about fucked it is the um, imperialism and stuff. Yeah, that's actually that was the title. That was the exact <laughs> title. No, it was on a day where I broke someone's leg. Actually, oh, Josh Dillo. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. I broke his leg playing football, and he was also meant to do a talk. <laughs> 
I mean, like, it wasn't something. It was a big. We we there was five of us who were doing a talk, and it wasn't like. It wasn't the biggest deal, but we'd all put a lot of effort into it because we were going to go up in front of a lot of people and talk about a subject each. Yeah. Um, and I broke his leg so he couldn't participate in it. Um, felt a bit bad about that. It was never nice breaking someone's leg. It was a fair challenge. It was, was a fair it, challenge. Was it? Yeah, Did he agree? Challenge. There was discrepancy, but um, <laughs> my, our, my, the teacher who was playing with us agreed because we were doing a five-a-side tournament. And How um, do you break someone's leg in five-a-side? Yeah, well, these <laughs> fucking beefy boys aren't going to stop for no bone. <laughs> So, no, the ball came up and then he went to clear it yeah. and I was being a fox in the box and I put my <laughs> I put my foot out, but I connected with the ball. I got the ball, but I then the it. forces came together and he like kicked Did it. Did you he, stamp it? He missed it with his leg, but he hit his leg on the ball, but my foot was on the other side of the ball, pushing it back. Broke his leg. Did, how, did you hear a crunch? Let that be a lesson for any of my enemies. Did you hear there. a crunch? Yeah. Oh. His, do you not remember his cast came up to oh. his fucking... His cast came up to his crotch. Oh. But our teacher, Mr. Crook, he was like a very small, Angry little fat. Angry little fat. Yeah, he was... We were doing really well in the tournament. He was like, he was like oh, get up, come on, let's fucking keep going. And we're like, oh, I think he's, he's broken, broken his legs. Leg, yeah. And then eventually he stopped. But yeah, so I did a talk about it. Um... I mean, it's 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 mental, but it's also this is always going to happen. Oh, inevitable. It's sad the inevitability because I mean, Afghanistan has been a f- country that has been plagued by conflict and imperialism since I think about 1898 or something. Because not people, not many people know. There's been three Anglo-Afghan wars. I think two I of them. That. But he's a history nerd. So. Two of them were about opium. Well, I think one of them was about opium. But I think the the most the more recent one was like nineteen twenty something. Was maybe a bit earlier, nineteen eighteen, maybe not that. Whenever was about not date. You know that they happened. Just no, the, dates. They ha- the dates. Hey, are gonna the dates are going to be like forty years off. Exactly. Because <laughs> even when I do the presentation, it's just like me talking a lot about it. And they're just being like nineteen twenty three. But so there's been three Anglo-Afghan wars that have yeah. occurred. Um, well, like one of them was to do with just literally, this is just, this has been how poorly the Western world has treated Afghanistan for our history. Is that one of them was just because they wanted a trade passage just like through the, through the country. I mean, it has strategic importance for economics and all that. But just trivial Western interests and then just kind of in, trying to enact those and therefore causing turmoil, wars and violence. That's been the sustained history of Afghanistan. But, so the big one that started to happen, this was in seven, 1979 to 89, no, that one, there you go. was the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Kite runner. Yeah, sure. Which is what people don't often remember because that was basically the startings of the Taliban. Yeah. Because there, it, during the Cold War, when so Russia were trying to, trying to secure their interests in the region. Which they have rights to which do. Which I'm not <laughs> saying anything wrong with that. Which is their right to do. <laughs> <laughs> By, we would all strike the our possession in the region look, we, we're not all in everyone's different p- shoes and sometimes you need to step in those <laughs> shoes and sometimes when you step in someone's shoes you might want to bolster your influence in a region <laughs> <laughs> you just might want to do it um, right, so they they invaded the country in order to install a friendly a communist friendly ruler the not, Ameri- yeah friendly it's good that you, you a friendly ruler <laughs> Look, we just a think your leader friend. is a little bit me. We're going to have a friendly we communist need a friend. a nice friendly gentleman or lady or lady. But gentleman. But gentleman <laughs> who will come in and just be a bit friendly to everyone. Now, yeah, they wanted a communist friendly yeah. leader. Um, so the Americans said, nah, we don't want that communist friendly leader. Which this is, is their right to do. 
I mean, this is essentially, uh, this is what was happening for the entirety of the world <laughs> during the Cold War. Yeah. This is what... It was proxy Proxy war. wars. So they're not actually... Well, this it wasn't a proxy war for the US, because they for the um, USSR, because they actually invaded. Um, but, so the Americans didn't want to put in a full force of kind of force troops into Afghanistan, because it just, they were too busy fighting in other fucking places, like Vietnam and stuff. Yeah. So they essentially funded and aided the Mujahideen, which are like um, Afghan rebels or any Middle Eastern rebels. Um, so, and those rebels then became the Taliban, essentially. So that's when you'll hear, when you hear like the US funded the Taliban as they are now, that's all where that came from because Crazy. of the Cold War. And they armed them, gave them weapons and kind of gave them kind of pointers and stuff of how to do it. They gave them self-belief, more importantly. They just gave them the confidence. <laughs> they just gave them the confidence to win the war. And it's... The most valuable tool, as one of my great lecturers Keep said to guns. me once, the most valuable tool in international relations is not weapons. It's not political power. It's pride. It's pride. And we just put our pens down. And then the US Marines came in, 1979, 1980, they went to the, the defeated mountain tribesmen who the Soviets had taken over the country. They want to, and they're like, guys, you've got to believe yourself. They're like, no, we can't. We can't do this. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. <laughs> I'm telling you guys. Me? Us? We're useless. No, guys, you really can do it. All right. <laughs> we can do it, guys. So and now look at that mess. Self-belief so, isn't always good. So we fast forward a bit and 9-11 happens. Mm-hmm. And then, well, that was kind of amazing. Well, so with the, do you know what about the Gulf War? I know that was a rut. I'm not maybe. too good on the Gulf War. Okay. It wasn't like it hasn't for me. What I well, the Taliban saw ruled um, for a Afghanistan while. in the 90s. 1994 or something. Yeah, the, most of the 90s. 90s because because they, they took over from the Soviets. Because they sorry, so the Soviet invasion was an absolute fucking catastrophe for them, and they. Because that's the thing to know about Afghanistan as well, right. is because it isn't like, and we're kind of the same with Vietnam and all of these proxy wars that happened in the Cold War, is that you can't, it doesn't just work like you go to war with a country. These, because these countries aren't, it's not like a classic sovereign combined state. There's so many, there's power is just concentrated in so many different places. That's so what's like, annoying. It's like if you're invading a country, you can go right to the palace, you knock on the door, and you go, where's the king? You kill the king. Kill the king, now, you're like, I'm, I'm in charge now. And then everyone I gives up. Like, oh, <laughs> shit, but when man. it's all these tribes and shit, you just, it's, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Kabul is only Kabul. It yeah. doesn't actually extend its that much influence yeah. to any other, to mass other place of Afghanistan. So then that all failed terribly, and then the Taliban were in for a long time. And then 9-11 happened and then that spooked everyone in the West um, and then created justifications of wars based on stopping terrorism mm. and human rights. But they decided to ignore human rights before 9-11. Um, but it basically in the guise of oil, pretty yeah. much. Um, so like Iraq was way worse for that because the justifications of weapons of mass destruction, etc. were a hell of a, hell of a lot more unsubstantiated. But then Af- Afghanistan has always been the less bad war out of the two in in the public's view is so that the focus has always been Afghanistan on Afghanistan seems to just be longer and less intense. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, are we still there? It doesn't like, really... Yeah. Like, Iraq was kind of like, there was the news was a bit more explosion, statues falling down, like, it was a bit more blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. Afghanistan was like an art house movie. It was it, like, yeah, you're right, yeah. It was like, this is gonna, this it's is a, a bit lot. boring. <laughs> <laughs> a bit long. It seems like the same, I'm yeah. sure we've seen this scene yeah. before. Have we not, have they not 
Yeah. Who are we trying to? Who's the guy? Because in Iraq, we had the baddie. He was literally called Saddam, like madman. Hussein, yeah. insane. insane yeah. Saddam Hussein, yeah. madman, insane. Yeah. Is what? Perfect. It, it, it it's works. a Hollywood villain. It works. It was great. Um, and that was that. But this one. But definitely. this one is too long and confusing. Yeah. And well, because it's obviously gone on for a lot longer. Yeah. And also, since we killed Bin Laden, it's become. It's just it, it lost a little bit of the kind of you like, want you want more international political drama. Yeah, I'm like since been it was like you know when Jim and Pam got together in the U.S. office, it lost yeah. it lost a little bit, lost a bit of the edge. It lost a bit of the edge because you, you're not desperate for the next episode. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You've, yeah. Once the story has been completed, why are you still continuing the story? Um, but so then, yeah, obviously nine eleven happened. We uh, the U.S. and the U.K. then invade Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Bin Laden's killed. The Taliban are ousted. Um, we're still there in the guise of trying to prepare them. Which is the same thing that happened in Vietnam and fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't as so. No, there was a hasty withdrawal from Vietnam because there was a clear winner and loser. Whereas this isn't a war about winners and losers because it's about trying to get in, invade Afghanistan, get the Taliban out with, and then training up. Afghan forces and and what I didn't know about the Afghan forces is there was like there's like three times as many Afghan forces as there was Taliban. Yeah, yeah. There was so many more. Yeah, yeah. And it, obviously, it, it's confusing. It, it that's the bit that doesn't quite add up. Why didn't they stop them? Yeah, and obviously, it's the, the U.S. withdrawals. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that, but it, it's still it's kind of interesting just how bad they. I think a lot of that goes down to like ideology self-belief. and. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's probably astonishingly, yeah. <laughs> God, how has that come round? <laughs> well, like it is because it's like it's like Western forces coming over and like obviously you know the vast majority of I don't know because it's hard to say because you have to look at these opinion polls and it's it's not that clear cut, but like most of the people in Kabul don't want the Taliban, yeah. obviously. But it's not that clear going around all the different regions because like how they maintain these power structures is one, get people on board with the ide- ideology, but two, also coercing people into getting involved in the ideology yeah. saying we'll kill you and your family if you don't back us. So okay. there's a lot of Good that. point. So there's a lot of these things going on. Yeah. Um, but um, so like, I don't know, but you can see the Western forces coming over and then training up almost like reluctant people who don't really want it was kind of like us in it's like if they came over and we had to (laughs) stop like this militant english christian the the cornish people we'd be like we just don't have enough belief well well, i guess we don't want them but i don't okay it's like us doing ccf it's like we wouldn't we're not the guys you want (laughs) we're not the people you want but there was like a lot of them so there's clearly i imagine three hundred thousand of us basically yeah yeah (laughs) um so obviously it was then. Then I don't know when the UK withdrew. It was like three years ago, maybe. Years. And and they only had Helmand Province. Was yeah. They? they only had to control one little bit. And exactly. Yeah. And then then we left. Um. But I mean, tr- to be, it's all been it's all been on on Biden, and it, I think he was trying to take his. He did. Fu- he did. He did. The policy was right. He did it earlier. The implementation implementation was clearly bad he did so it, it was partly his i do think this does reflect badly on trump, Biden. trump was the guy who started brokering the deal remember when trump was talking to the taliban that was the thing trump was the guy who was kind of brokering but some the policy these. i think is the right thing which is getting him out yeah 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 but you have but to the implementation was poor well and he, that's, that's, that's down to biden i think well no but so what happened trump brokered this thing with the taliban was talking to him everything and then started making a plan he made the plan for the withdrawal i think it was meant to happen on september the 11th 
Yeah, to be a yeah, so he bide and then pushed it pushed it forward, which has been criticised a lot. But so I've been reading into Biden. He's got like he's been he was like the main anti Afghanistan as an anti invasion of oh, Afghanistan. Was he? So he was pretty good. He wasn't necessarily on it. I don't know how far this stretches back, but like so when when it was the I assumed Obama, to be one of those uh, warmongers. Well, no, when it was the Obama years, he was like quite the most outspoken, close person in his like cabinet kind of thing of get him out of get him out. This is pointless. However, his speech shows I don't think he's doing it really for the right reasons. Because it's all his speech was really fucking aggressive almost, and he was like, "No, it's the absolute right thing to do." Saying like they've got to they've got to fight for themselves. No more Americans American blood is going to be like shed for all of this. Yeah. Which would be fair if that ha- if he if they were to have if the U.S. was to have that opinion in two thousand and three. Yeah, well, I mean, not two thousand and twenty one when they've been there for. I feel like in two thousand and six or whenever. Early in the war, it was like, okay, well, we've lost this, and we need to try and phase this out. So but it's not can, a win so or lose would, thing. It's, I mean, it's sort. I uh, know it's, it's well, hard. No, the to Taliban were it's, the Taliban were out. They were still fighting them, and then it, a lot of that then becomes about nation building, which then, which then Biden said it was never about. So, what was the war in Afghanistan about? Well, exactly, just ticking. I, I think he was saying surely to, it was about getting the Taliban. the Taliban. So the Taliban had come back. They've lost the war. Well, no, but they, no, because they weren't there. So you can't blame someone that they weren't Wait, there so you for. mean by the time they'd left, the Taliban weren't there? Yeah, and now and they're then there. A, a day later. And well, well, that's what happened. It was like, we're leaving. It was like, oh, are you guys going now? <laughs> oh, hey, cool. We're just going to take that then. Yeah? yeah. Okay, you sure? Fair enough. You as long as we won the war. But we're, yeah, but we're, we're going to get that now. <laughs> yeah, but we won the war. Well, we're not here anymore. <laughs> so you can do what you want, but we won this. But that's... Well, no, because so he said that it was an effort to do with nation building, which is ridiculous because that's what the whole fucking thing was framed as this whole yeah. human rights thing he said it's literally just about getting out of the taliban and also stopping the cultivation of terrorism in high-risk countries like afghanistan and what's interesting is uh i, I heard the taliban spokesman on the bbc news which is a very surreal uh, when they rang news in. segment when he rang in Crazy. and it was just like the taliban guy and, they were and he's like speaker. he's like the the kind of woke face you know he's yeah, like yeah. the likable one of all the taliban they had to be like who's the one who's like the most charming of the guys <laughs> and it's, oh, it's him. yeah <laughs> this guy and then uh, what i'm finding interesting about this version of the taliban is they're kind of like trying to be like woke taliban have you oh, noticed yeah yeah, yeah. Like, no because we will be cutting off some hands yeah, all right look, but not too many <laughs> <laughs> yes women might yeah women can have some education maybe but not too much <laughs> Just, but so that's it is because interesting. That's been different from the '90s, where they had none of that shit. Yeah, because that is true, and I think now they've they've almost learned their lessons in a way, because it's like they're not going to have a. They now are thinking long term, sustainable rule of Afghanistan. Yeah. And the only way to actually do that is to present some sort of moderate face to the rest of the world, so that yeah. countries don't invade them. Because they're just. That's what I. But bear. that's what I think with nearly all these kind of people. It's like just surely you can chill out a little bit just to help yourselves a bit. Well, that's that's why you're not a militant Islamist. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'll never. I just be. don't really get it. Can you guys just not curb some of those? But it, it's just interesting. This is kind of the first time I remember. There's been so many terrorist groups uh, who have taken over countries, insurgencies, and they've always put two fingers up to the international community and they've always ended up fucked in the end. Yeah. It is interesting that like no one's been like, all right, what do we really, really But then want? how much of their... And what are we willing to like compromise a little bit on so we don't lose all power and control eventually when someone crushes us? Well, that's the that's the problem of militant Islamism. So maybe they have, maybe they have learned Well, it seems that they have. They've, they've, they've gone they've on now, a big a journey of growth. There's definitely some more practical heads prevailing. Sure, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I think, well, I think it's almost like because it's a, it's a bit more... 
it seems like the power is becoming a bit more widespread. And now it's almost like because they almost, I reckon they would have semi been expecting an invasion from a Western power in the 90s. They've done that now. That's happened. They've had their period they know out they're of power. Not come back That's for a their bit. biggest kind of fear at the yeah. moment. So they're, they're kind of acting fearlessly and thinking, you know what? This could actually fucking work. And going, how are we going to make it work as our media face to the, to the world? And by that, they're doing so women can go to school and they can have jobs. Yeah, but still adultery. Not chop, sure, chop your hands not off. Not sure how, still. how legit that is. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated because they've said things like they're open for trading and stuff. Yeah. They're like, um, but then the scenes of people. F- I mean, it's absolutely. I mean, it is good to put your problems in perspective. But see the flip the the scenes of people flooding Kabul airport were crazy. It was absolutely the level of desperation because obviously you're hearing. Um, seeing the BBC images, which aren't actually particularly graphic, um, and you're, you're hearing the Taliban spokesman who's kind of presenting it as like a more reasonable. But seeing the way that people were hanging on to the US yeah, yeah. airplane, people Falling hung off. up, three people died. Yeah. How the the mindset to be that desperate to get out of somewhere, yeah. you're going to cling onto a plane. You what is to, the plan there? You have to... That level of desperation is so unbelievable. What was this plan to ride it back to America? There are instances where people have done that. Really? Yeah, yeah. When like migrants have done that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's not many, but there's a few. I've read stories oh, okay. about it. And like, so it's doable. Is it? Yeah, it's doable. Really? Yeah. I've heard, look it up. There's stories of people okay. who have, be, have clung on to the side. That is mental. There's a guy who, Can you imagine? Where did I hear it? There's a guy well, who was- Well, you just like that the whole well, time. Well, there was a guy who did it on the wheels of the plane. Like sat on the like the bottom of the wheels or something like that. <laughs> I know, it's mental. It's crazy. The wheels go up. Yeah, but I think he went up with them (laughs) (laughs) and then came down at the end. And then, like, he can't, he made it. He He had severe, severe, um, like, uh, frostbite because it was so cold up there. And then, like, really bad burns because of when the wheels hit them. What? Are you talking shit? I'm not talking shit. We can look it up. I'm fascinated in that. Well, like, is it worth looking up now? Maybe, but yeah, it just it seeing that that image really haunts me. Seeing the plane going, you see like a black speck or someone falling out. Very yeah, yeah. reminiscent of nine eleven with the people falling dropping man. the falling man kind of thing. Um, but it, it just psychologically, philosophically, the idea of wanting to leave a place so bad you were ready to cling onto a plane and just that image of desperation is like extraordinary yeah yeah i think because the surely the only mindset you can have as an individual doing something like that is that it's death or death certain death yeah one of them certain death if you stay there the others you know potential 99 percent death if you try that i'd go 99.9 percent you would go i would say (laughs) 0.8 because i've heard stories i'm not sure it might not be true but yeah, I guess because th- th- they were riding on the side of the plane. It's just the idea. Yeah, I mean, just the idea of being able to ride that all the way back and just like and then and then just get off and the then end. it just lands and you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Just <coughs> oh, I mean. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of them because it, it, the overwhelming images from the people trying to in the airport and trying to get on the plane are of men. So you're presuming that most of them have been done something to help the US or the UK. So like they'll be kind of target number ones of the people that were fighting against the Taliban or had yeah. significant influence of the people, like significant influence with Western forces against the Taliban. So it seems to be that. That's like, but then even in the, again, 
I'm smelling a lot of bullshit. But even I smell a lot of bullshit. A lot of bullshit. But in the interview... The they guy, said no bloodshed. They said no it? revenge or bloodshed. I was like, oh, really? Really? It is just... But it's funny that... It, there's just something so funny to me about this kind of like woke Taliban. Yeah. There is just something so darkly... About well, how that they're like, or they're trying, they're responding to the new generation, almost, and they're like, "No, we're not bad." Guys. Like, yes, we're cutting off hands, but like, we're not crazy. But not for no reason. <laughs> but like, they always. I mean, they've been careful. I mean, it doesn't really matter how careful they are with their words because they're literally sacking a city currently. But they're not like that. At the end, they'll they'll say things about they'll be when they were speaking about the position of women and stuff and like being able to have education and jobs and stuff that everything everything was caveated as long as they're doing it under sharia law and it'll be their interpretation of sharia yeah and sharia law. law means no education which is pretty fucking <laughs> fundamental so you know it's it's a scary one really scary but also darkly fascinating darkly fascinated but it's more because for our whole lives Iraq and Afghanistan has been going on pretty much as far, as far back as we can remember. It but was like not- 2003 was the invasion and we were yeah. like six years old. So it's just been a consistent backdrop of our lives. <coughs> and, and just the way that like that, all that progress has just disappeared. <coughs> but I mean, it was never going to be... That's the astonishing thing that I don't understand throughout our throughout our lives growing up with it. There was always this the slightly underlying idea of like, well, what happens when we leave? Surely this isn't... It's not going to work. Like when we actually, when troops are withdrawn and then that kind of element of security has disappeared from from the nation, of course that's not going to work. This is so inevitable mm. in so many ways. And like because of the, well, I guess the early withdrawal, they've also like left loads of weapons and helicopters and planes and shit there. Classic. So they're just... Same as what happened Well, that's in all them the now. Well, well, there you go. That's yeah. like a fucking freebie for all this shit. So it just... It's been a nation that's been plagued by Western imperialism and intervention more so than almost any other in the world, Afghanistan, throughout history, because of where it is, the strategic importance of where it sits geographically. And because of, you know, it, then, so, then now because of terrorism and all of these things. But all these things have come from, like, the, the, the 19th fucking century, and they've continued on throughout this century. So this is almost, as close, yeah. you can, as, almost as close as you can get to inevitable in history. Yeah. Um, <coughs> And there's obviously the thing about it being the graveyard of empires because yeah. I think in 1860, no, yeah, late 1800s, um, Britain had lost uh, a, a big uh, battle against guerrilla troops in Afghanistan. Yeah. And that kind of was actually the beginning of the end of the British Empire, Russian Empire, Russia, America. America. I think China's next. Do you think? I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, these you things, can they see, need to step up now. You, yeah, because it's like Britain, Russia, America... All these powers are falling at Afghanistan. It feels like China is going to literally think to themselves, they're expanding all the Silk Road routes. They, yeah. th- that's the shit they've been slowly plotting around. They're building a new Silk Road anyway. Afghanistan, yeah, yeah. if it goes against them, they're already pretty Islamophobic. It's like, it seems like it, there's a perfectly set up for them to have a go. Yeah. And for that empire to be um, ruined, destroyed destroyed in the rocks. It's almost like a rite of passage on your way to a to an empire destruction. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to, yeah, you've got to, to make a stop at least. Well, because there's another big point out of it is that for since well the end of the end of the Cold War, it's been the US as the global policeman. That's been the kind of dubbing of them. Is in like getting involved in nations. You can talk about their motivations. Probably a lot of them are economic and for oil rather than for genuinely trying to build up nations and stop human rights abuses. But they've been our global policemen, intervening in countries mm. or based on their own individual morality. And Biden's saying that 
it's now the Af- the Afghans fight and no more US blood should be shared. Does signal a big change in that? that there's Huge change. No longer and the even US tr- Even Trump wasn't much, yeah, didn't yeah. have a policeman a- approach. He had a more kind of America first, which is very different. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and it, it changes. I do think part of America's global policeman approach over the years has come from elements of it. Have there, it hasn't all been cynical. It has been this idea of like, there's an there's a element of freedom and democracy here we want to spread it, but it's come from this basically like ignorance more than anything of this sort of television morality. Yeah. Of like they're, they're allowed to fucked over there. We just try and take what we got over here and put it over there. And obviously there's some shady shit going on as well. But, I but having no concept of like, you can't implement democracy in Afghanistan when there's still the basic building yeah, blocks yeah. aren't even there. And then realizing that too late. But I think part of it is like, because I'm a bit more cynical because even though there might be not, there's obviously going to be the you know the, the way more cynical view of like it's for oil but then there's also you can have a cynical approach to them wanting to spread democracy because it's like a fear of your neighbor who who is someone different and if they're a democratic country then they can bring them into capitalism and then they are still that bolsters americans power by having a global world order that yeah. is the same as theirs so it's the true. reasons yeah. aren't necessarily completely unselfish spreading I, no, I, I, no, definitely not unselfish but i do think there's i do think a lot of people in america uh, do have a belief alongside the obvious practical aims that they're doing what is right for the country but but how much do you think they actually care about the people there but yeah mate, i think it's just comes from a lot of ignorance of like how other cultures work yeah, and yeah. i think that's fostered by the fact that we all watch america like it's a giant tv and yeah, they're yeah. stuck in the tv <laughs> and that's the problem is yeah. it's like america literally it's almost shaped like a television yeah. we all from the outside watch them because they are tv yeah. and for them they're just looking in a mirror. They can't even see out because they're stuck in the TV. They're, they're like, stuck in the TV. Yeah, There's a lot of smart people yeah, there who do a lot of smart shit, but they, you can't. America just fucks your. It gives you a brain fog because you're you're watching your own. Like Americans don't even know that much about genuine British culture. Everyone knows everything about American culture. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, think, I think, they, think that's they, partly they just sound what a bit fucks tired. it. After all, of, of, of being the global well, policeman. You'd, you'd think Vietnam would this be the be on an end all because that was a like, much bigger disaster. Yeah, but they're still, that's early on. In their, that was like the thing that they'll, they'll learn from to then go forward and do it better in the future. They yeah. just haven't really done it better in the future. But if they're anyway. not the global policeman, will China... I think we need to be. <laughs> Britain me or, or me... <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're, we could sit on our Freemason ring hall on our throne yeah. and say that's enough over there, actually, we must but, intervene. So what is if there's going to be another one? What if China so starts what? getting? Oh, sorry, you just said so what? Uh, um, China. Do you, think, what, do you think China will be the next one? Nah, they're going to stay. They they they'll keep their heads out of everything. So maybe there won't be one. So maybe we'll just have to run mm. ourselves. Yeah. Because um, I remember you getting asked at the end of your Afghanistan talk by uh, like a 50-year-old dude uh, saying, all right, these are great problems. Do you have any solutions? And you didn't have any at the time. Yeah. Now, what do you think? Do you still have, do you have any solutions yet? What do you mean solutions? To the problem. Well, stop invading them. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's what I said. Because the whole talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I agree. I the, agree. Whole, the whole talk was about the reason why we are where we are. It was a history talk. Yeah, it wasn't. So like, I mean, the as in like for Afghanistan. I mean, it seems that well, you've got to. I mean, you've got to increase aid at this point. You've also got to increase re- like allowing a space for refugees to be able to get out, so you kind of can stop some of the horrors that are going on. But fundamentally, there's. We, if we address this as a problem of con- consistent Western intervention into the nation for h- hundreds of years, we can't, there's no, nothing that we can do in order to properly mediate that. Surely we've got to learn the lessons from the past and realize that 
by intervening, all it's doing is making situations worse, breaking or down off. the state apparatus yeah. and stopping kind of f the feasibility of it becoming an actual working democracy in a country. It doesn't have to be a democracy, but whatever it needs to be. And I think sadly, we just got to, you got to let this play out whilst trying to stop the horrors that are going on as best as we can. I agree. I agree. Um, Oh, my brain just went blank. There was something... But most of all, just give them the confidence they need. The self-belief. The self-belief. Um, it's gone. That's a shame. Uh, you've been watching uh, Ted Lasso. Yes. Um, which I've I've seen uh, adverts for and I th thought it looked off-putting yeah and it seemed to be doing very well in the award circuit in, so i was yeah. like maybe it is quite maybe worth it is it. good yeah but then i had i saw in the trailer there was a quote that said heartwarming and you know you know my rule problem, by rule i will never watch anything that uses critical quotes of them as heartwarming as if it's a positive thing and i usually don't but because <laughs> of this because of the buzz it's been getting yeah it's got loads of emmy noms yeah and you think surely surely it could be it could be all right i mean like the U.S. Office and Parks and Rec are heartwarming. Sure, but they're good. Mm -hmm. So you know they are good, but it's in spite of the heartwarming. In spite, of course, it's in spite of it, but yeah. it's still like they're it's not, not gonna, a good element. They're not. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> I could take those out easily. Yeah, absolutely. But so Ted Lasso um, has inexplicably done well because it's absolute dog shit. Really, dog shit. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I know. But so the problem is is the heartwarming aspect. But it's like this new beast this new terrible plague that's kind of bringing the world into this big shadow is is, is dr dr the dromedy the, the spectrum of the dromedy, spectrum of dromedy. <laughs> it's it's not drama it's not comedy it's nothing it's absolutely nothing that's interesting it, it literally because it doesn't there's not enough drama to get you hooked on a on a storyline or a character's development yeah and there's not enough comedy to make you laugh yeah it's just something happening on the screen for <laughs> half an hour <laughs> And you just end, you end the, and the thing is, because when you start a new series, you like watch the first one and then you don't think of anything for half an hour. And then at the end you go, oh dear, that wasn't very good. But maybe it's because I'm not into it yet. You've, you've got to give, it, it, a to give it a second episode. And then you're like, no, this is just really, really bad. And then, the th I mean, the acting is awful. Okay. Sude Sudeikis does all right. Sudeikis does all right. No one else does. <laughs> No one else does anything. There's a, there's your kind of old elder. There's your classic. He's a, he's a box to box midfielder. Yeah. Literally described as that yeah. in the, in the show. Box to box midfielder who used to play for City and has won the Champions League, seen everything, and now he's like in a lower team. And of course, he's an aggressive Cockney man, and he's got no range. That's it. That's all he ever is. And then there's the up and coming football star who's on loan from I think City again because that's the only team they can think of who's done well mm. City again who's cocky and young and they obviously clash and then there's the mat and then the, uh, the storyline of the owner is, is ridiculous she, the owner's actually okay in it but it's just nothing and I it, so it was based on a sketch that we watched ages yeah. ago was it SNL sketch I think Maybe. it was it was because they say based on it was character from NBC, I think. NBC, yeah. But I think it was made by NBC um, to promote. No, it was made by NBC to promote uh, the Premier League streaming in America. Oh, yeah, okay. So he was going to Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, and that was really funny. Yeah. It was wall-to-wall -wall funny. It was five minutes. Yeah. And they took all of that and they seemed to have had... Distilled the, it It seemed nothing. to be like the, the tone of that sketch was funny. And it seems the tone's completely shifted. 
isn't the concept he's an American football coach? Yeah. Coming over. Who knows nothing about football. Why is he a manager then? Right. So the co- I'll tell you because no, don't. I, I'm going to do spoilers because you don't need to watch it. Um, <laughs> so it's about basically the manager, uh, the owner. There used to be a, f- a wife, husband and wife ownership. The husband did own it then cheated on his wife and they got divorced and she got the football club in the divorce. And she's trying to bring down the football club because she hates her husband so much. So she or, or she kind of employs the worst manager that she can think of who knows nothing about football to then tank it. She's very okay. cynical. That's the MacGuffin. She's very, exactly. She's very cynical. <laughs> she's very, I was like, where's the MacGuffin? <laughs> ah, there she's very cynical. He's incredibly wholesome. And... Do you know what? I think he might wear off on her a bit. Really? I think he might. <laughs> oh, God. I think he might change her. God, it makes and me feel sick. So it's literally just two characters. All it is is the old footballer and the young footballer rubbing off on each other and they learn from both of them learn from each other. I, yeah. Everyone's learning from each other and no one's making anyone laugh. I do think this is true. I think basically since Louis in 2010 where it was realised that you can make like... That was comedic but it was like art house and there was like elements of drama in it that sort of set up a wave that kind of had like master of none lady dynamite in britain had fleabag i may destroy you isn't a comedy but for some reason it feels within that world of just the kind of mashing together of comedy and drama yeah yeah, yeah. and i it worked well but now it's sort of like we're in a point where there's nothing funny. There's nothing. There's nothing funny. It's not anything. Yeah, it doesn't. Good point. It doesn't make you feel anything, and it doesn't make you laugh, and it's not interesting. (laughs) It's fucking shite. I don't understand it, and I don't. And what terrifies me is how well it's been received. Yeah, that's that's when you feel Truman Showy when you're like, am I experiencing the same reality as other people? Because if I'd watched it, I don't know what's worse: watching the, hearing the buzz about it, and then watching it. And just the two not adding up or watching it first and then hearing the buzz. Yeah. I think if you watch it first and then you'll be comfortable that the world would yeah, spit it, it out. Yeah. And then suddenly it's getting awards and everyone's loving it. Because it also means that people might try and copy that as a direction. It just yeah. seems utter to tripe. Get, it's, I, uh, every, it is, it is tripey tropey nonsense. And every, it's one of those things where, I mean, in most TV, TV programmes, you're, you're going to predict what's going to happen. It's quite, you can see where the characters are going to get to. But with this, it's like the most, you can predict every single scene that occurs. Like, for instance, he's making, he brought her, he's trying to soften up the owner, as in like just, but he's not even trying because he's just so wholesome and just wants to be friends with everyone. He brings her a cake every more every morning that he says, let's have a coffee and a cake or something to have a little chat. And he brings a cake and she loves it. And she's so annoyed that she loves it. She keeps trying to get the recipe out of, no, the um, where she where he bought the cake from. Keeps trying to get it out of him and he's not giving away because then it will stop their morning coffee things and they've got to have their morning coffee meetings. Southern charm. Um, And then it turns out he's baking the cakes himself. What a loser. What a creep. What a fucking creep. He's uh, he's obviously having problems with his wife at the moment. Ted Lasso himself is having problems with his wife and, you know, it's tough being away from his kids. Baking a cake every day? Yeah. Every day? Every day. He's managing a football club? He is managing a football club. Oh my God. There's really not about f- much about the football either. <laughs> um, and there's one bit where... I assume all the comedy is him saying, so we're playing in quarters? Or was that like, just constantly using NFL sort of... In fairness to them, they got that out in the first episode. Good. But every line was that. Yeah. And then they do one an episode. Okay. But they do... There's one also... Uh, and the last predictable trope of it is uh, he comes in and is talking to everyone. There's a kit boy who he speaks to and he's just the kit boy is just honored that he's speaking to him it's just a blessing and he's so confused 
Um, and then it gets to the point where he's helping manage the team. The kit boys help him manage the team. And he, he makes, he's made a play. As in, this doesn't really happen if it were. He's made a play. And then that event, and they eventually run that play and they, they score a goal from it in a, in a football game. That's horrible. It's, it's On that disgusting note, uh, I guess we come to the end of the show. Um, and I, I don't, don't know, know what why, but I'm, I'm less, I'm more depressed after talking about Ted Lasso <laughs> than Afghanistan now. <laughs> That's really been a bleak ending. It is a really bleak ending. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. Remember to subscribe to the Patreon. Thanks for listening, guys. But what, boys? Yeah,